maybe if we can just close our eyes just for a moment just do things this morning that I just I feel so overwhelmed by and just in the Lord and the one is this is that the best that we have to give our most polished things our buildings our clothes our preachers our songs whatever we think is our best I'm so aware that in front of the Lord they are like filthy rags and that His Holy Spirit is like a dove Scripture speaks of it as something so gentle so soft so almost skittish sometimes how we can even with the best we think we are blessing him actually chase away the thing that brings life and this morning I just have such a sense in my heart of just I don't want to make the wrong move here I'm like God like I want to so be so aware of your spirit that is like a dove a dove doesn't like quick sudden movements loud noises and it's not that we can't make a noise because there's a joyful noise in the in the house of the Lord but I believe there's something that the Lord is addressing in us and then the second thing this morning I've been so overwhelmed and been reminded of the day that I got married I remember that day so well I remember standing, waiting for Helen as she was coming <clears throat> or waiting for her to come. Like some of my best men, my one friend, his name is Sunshine. And I said, bro, just stop talking. Because every time he talks to me, I just I feel like I want to cry. And I, like, I don't want to do that right now. And this morning, the whole time, I've been just having this like a knob in my throat of just swallowing like just like tears that wants to come and I just feel like such a sense of the Lord just in this place and I don't want to miss it this morning because I believe he's wanting to do something special in us so maybe just for a moment just ask Adam to just continue playing. Just want to allow us to just wait on him just for a little bit. A little bit longer. So just stay where you're at. Just close your eyes. Whatever wants your attention, don't worry about it. It can wait. this morning really blessed me 
want to encourage you. Carry on. I believe the Lord was looking at it. And he was just going, man, I'm so proud of you. Because you're faithful. You're giving yourself to him. You're allowing him to stretch you. And I want to encourage you to continue doing it. Because the Lord is in it. something that we've never seen before. Thank you for breathing life into our lungs. Oh Lord, we're so expectant to see you come back on that day so that we can see you fully without all the noise, without all the, the muck and the things in our hearts, God. See you with unveiled eyes, God, fully. Oh Lord. I pray that as we sit under your word this morning, God, I pray that your word will come and illuminate your heart towards us. Oh God, our desire is to please you. keep you there the whole time but I won't do that to you so this morning um, I want to say this that I'm not standing here because of any qualifications or because of anything I've paid or given up um, or even because of any position that I hold Um, but this morning I don't want to be standing on anything like that This morning, I just really have such a sense like I'm here as a witness. And that's what I want you to know. I'm here as a witness of one who's seen Jesus, who's felt his his love being poured out in my heart, and is one that is standing here, and I'm continuously being reminded through the Holy Spirit of the things that he taught, the things that he said, even though I wasn't there. But it's the wonder of His Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm standing here this morning. And that doesn't make me special. It just makes me a witness. And each and every one of you sitting here this morning, I want to say to you that He's calling you to that same place as a witness. And His promise to us is this in John 14, 26. He says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And it's for those that were walking with him, but I believe it's for us that today that accept him into our lives and say, God, we want to know you. And in that, he's working his testimony. He's working his teaching, what he's 
on that, as he walked on the earth, as he, his heart, like he's teaching us and he's reminding us of those things. That is why the Holy Spirit was sent. And today, for most of you, you would know, like today we are celebrating the day of Pentecost. It's a day where, where the disciples and those who follow Jesus, where they came together in a room and presence of God, the Spirit of God was poured out and it was like, it said it would seem like tongues of fire. And as they, these tongues of fire rested on them, what happened was they started speaking in all different kinds of tongues. And we're going to be going just into that just now. But I think it's so important for us to understand the timeline in this. And um, when we come to Scripture, I find even in myself sometimes, I come to Scripture and I go, okay, God, give me this Bible verse that is going to completely change my life. Does any of you else feel like that? You're, like, you're looking for that Bible verse that's going to be the kind of like all-out Swiss Army knife, you know, that's going to just, it's going to be the Leatherman that sorts out every problem. And then we come into Scripture and we're not finding that. And then we kind of get despondent. And we kind of like, oh, you know, where is that thing? You know, where is that? Oh, I'm not getting out of Scripture what I need to get out of Scripture. But I want to say to us, if we're going to look at it like that, we're probably never going to find that Swiss Army knife. The Bible is there for correction and for uplifting us and for teaching us and showing us the way of God. But it's actually as we see his heart being revealed in Scripture, as we see his heart coming out, we see how his heart becomes manifested in our lives, and that changes our lives. It doesn't always change our circumstances. It changes our perspective of our circumstances. And this morning, I want to just draw a little bit of that for us. I don't think I'm going to give you a Swiss army knife this morning where I can go, cool, now you can sort your life out. You're going to be okay. But I want to show you something of God's heart this morning in why we celebrate the day of Pentecost and how, what significance does it have for us as believers. So first of all, these two big celebrations that happened in the, the Hebrew Jew and Jewish community. And these big, there was a lot of feasts. Like these people are like Germans, give them any kind of reason to drink beer, and they're going to drink beer and have a festival about it. And the Jews were very much like that as well. They have festivals for whole kinds of things. But there's two big ones, and big ones that even for us till today that we celebrate. And it's Easter or Passover, and then the day of Pentecost. And these two had very significant meanings. They were harvest festivals. So the first one, the Passover, what we know as Easter, that is the first harvest of the year. And they would call this, this um, festival the, the festival of first fruits. And that's when they would celebrate it. It's like the barley has been growing and they're going to, it's like one or two weeks into, the, into the, the harvesting period. And then they have the first fruits. The first fruits are these beautiful barley hops that are just the cream of the crop. 
And they take these first fruits and they offer it to the Lord. And that's the festival that they celebrate. Now, something else also happened over that same period. Who can, who can tell me what happened? We had Easter. Jesus went to the cross and it stood up out of the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says this. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For in Ad, as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So we see in Easter this thing of Jesus being the first fruit. Coming in, offering up what is yet to come. Being the first one to, to be shown and to, be, and to prove who God says who he is. Amen? And that's beautiful. Then we have the second celebration. Pentecost. They don't call it Pentecost because of the fire. They call it Pentecost because it means 50. 50 days after the Passover, they celebrated again the festival of the harvest of the wheat. And it's the first offering, the first fruits of the wheat. And they call that Pentecost because it happens 50 days afterwards. Now, the thing about the second harvest is, it's one of those that where all of the, the Jews and the Hebrews, where they would gather together in Jerusalem. And so, to some degree, much of the known world or the known nation, the people scattered into the nations, were all in one place. So you have all, all, of, all of them with the same heart and belief and like they're there for the celebration of the harvest that is going to come, but speaking different languages and doing different things. And on that, we read something. We read that on that day in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, verse 1, came, they all were together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So again, it's a harvest that's coming. The thing about wheat is, Wheat looks a little bit different than hops. Hops is these green, kind of like, almost looks like, um, what's that? Brussels sprouts. There we go. Um, but wheat, wheat is these fields. And you see these, the wheat kind of blow in the, in the, in the wind. And now I come from the free state, and we know wheat, Okay. And then it's one of the most beautiful things to see is when the harvest is ready. Because it's this golden white. 
just you see this field and you just see this is ripe for harvest. And here in that second place, what happens? God comes and he sends his Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to these disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So there's something happening in the natural, but actually in the big scope of things, there's a significant thing happening in the spiritual. In another place, in John 4, Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman, and then the disciples come, and kind of they're confused with the whole situation, and they ask him, does he have any food? And Jesus says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you have a saying? Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. So all around, we see God painting this picture of showing the harvest. We've got Easter. Jesus comes. He becomes the first fruit of the harvest. Not a physical harvest, but a spiritual harvest. And then Jesus comes and rises up from the dead, spends 40 days with, um, in Acts 1 we read it says, 40 days that Jesus spent with the disciples, where after he went up into heaven, ascension day that we celebrated last week. And here today we come and we celebrate the day of where the Holy Spirit came and again there's a festival of the harvest that is to come. And it's like he's giving the workers everything that they need in order to do and to accomplish the harvest. But in all of this, there's this prophecy that we read in Amos. And I want to read it to us. Amos 9, yes, that's a book in the Bible. So just so you know, Old Testament. Amos 9, verse 13 to 15, it says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will, they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel into their own land, never again to be uprooted. From the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. And there's this picture of God promising something of the future. And Though people might read this and think, but this is actually now for the promised land that's given to the Israelites. This is actually, it's, a, it's a, 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 a prophecy of the great harvest that is to come. It's a prophecy of Jesus coming back and fetching his children and all of us as his people one day being with him in heaven. And when we look at his at his at the, the language and the way it's described, it's described in abundance. 
It says the one who, um, just again there, the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman. It's like as you, it's like as you reap, as you reap, there's just more coming and it over, overtakes you. And so what we see in this is the abundance that God has for us. The abundance that he's calling us to in him. In his kingdom. With his power, with what he's doing. He, he's calling us to that place of where he's saying, there's so much more. When we read back in Acts 2. We see a couple of things that then unfolds. In Acts 1, sorry, I said Acts 2. In Acts 1 verse, verse um, 4, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the dates of the Father as set out by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see the promises of God coming and saying, I will give you my Holy Spirit. And then you see the purposes of God coming. And he's saying, you will be witnesses. He's calling us to a place of being witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and all of the known world. That was what he was saying in those, I know, in all Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's that everything is known. That is where I want you to go. I'm going to give you, and then I want you to go. God's promises and God's purposes. And then a little bit later on, I'm jumping a little bit. But in Acts 2, verse 41, it says this. just want to get to it here. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from a corrupt generation. And it's Peter preaching to them as they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. See the, the, the passion of God coming through. So today as we sit here, God is calling us even today into a place of where he's saying, I've got a promise for you. A promise of the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, I've got the purposes for you that I want you to accomplish on this earth. And all of that, my promises and my purposes are there to fulfill my passion. Which is the world out there that needs to know who Jesus is, that needs to come back to him, just like me and you have come to him. When I look at this, when I see this, when I go through the scripture, all that I'm taken about is like, Lord, how in the natural is there these harvests? And then in the spiritual, you come and you just blow up 
all of these things. And you show us that you are actually, you, even in the physical things, you have been there showing us this picture of who you are and what you've come to do. He's been so intentional about it. And so this morning, I want to call us to that place. Can we see that the fields are ripe for harvest? So first question to us is, do we know this? Can we see it? And are we giving ourselves to it? If I think of the state of mind of the disciples that they were on that day, can you imagine with me that for 4,000 years, they've had prophecy and prophecy given to them about Jesus, the Messiah, or the Messiah that's coming, and he's going to deliver them from the onslaught of the enemies around them. 4,000 years, it's been, like, can you imagine that? It's incredible. That is, that is something that is very deep within the people. And then Jesus comes and they start seeing something of this Messiah that is being worked out. And they're going, this is the day that We've been told and our forefathers have told us and their forefathers, this is, this is the day we are going to be delivered. And then Jesus comes and he's on the cross. And there's the promise, the promise of 4,000 years. The prophecies, the everything that is given. Our nation is given absolutely everything. And here the promise is on this cross. What now? Jesus dies. Can you imagine the heartbreak? But as they walked away from that place, like, what now? What now? And then three days later, here Jesus is standing in front of them. They saw him die. They saw him breathing his last breath. And now he's standing right here in front of them. They can see the Scars in his hand. You can feel the gap in his side. But yet here he is. And then Jesus walks with him and speaks to them. And I mean, I can just imagine having seen that, then having Jesus here in the physical with me. Like, can you imagine what their thinking must have been? Like what that must have felt like. And then 40 days later, as Jesus spoke to them, and we don't know much of what he spoke to them. But as he walked with them and taught them, like they've seen the, man, the Son of God revealed. He says to them, hey, I can't be with you any longer. But I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and He's going to teach you, and He's going to remind you of everything that I have said. Because I can think, like, I, I stand in a conference, and, like, 
There's so much good stuff that's coming, but there's a place where my mind can just not take anything anymore. And I can just, I cannot write enough down. And I know that even if I write it down, it's not like I'm going to get back to it because it's just like there's something in this moment. So I'm just like left into that place of God. Okay, you just need to come and do what you need to come and do right now. And I can imagine even for the disciples, there was something like that. And so Jesus comes and he says to them, like, I'm going to send someone that's exactly like me. And he's going to tell you and he's going to remind you and he's going to teach you the things that I've told you. And he's going to lead you. He's going to explain to you who I am, what my heart is. So just wait. Just wait. Wait in Jerusalem. And so the disciples was waiting. And that's when they come together for the day of Pentecost. Because, hey, we're coming here to celebrate. It's the first of the harvest of the wheat. Not seeing, actually, what Jesus has been telling them. All along. And they come together. And I'm going to read it to us again because it's beautiful. And when the day of Pentecost came, they all came together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then we see they start speaking in tongues, and there's like, I think probably like 10 different nations that's represented in this place. In Jerusalem, all these tongues that they're speaking. And so people on the outside of where they were are hearing their language that they come from far away, are hearing their language spoken. And they're going like, what is going on here? And some people are amazed and some people go like, yo, like, must be. These guys must be drunk. Like, you know, it's like we can't explain anything else, but this doesn't make sense. And then Peter starts preaching, speaking to the Jews, telling them of who Jesus is, this Messiah that has been brought to them. And we see 3,000 being added to that number. See, the question this morning is, is that just information? To us? Or is there something of a witness in our hearts of the words of Jesus? Is there something of a witness and a desire in our hearts to say, God, I want that. I want your Holy Spirit to remind me, to teach me of the things that you have said, as if I was there on that day. And I'm going like, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. He's saying like, we need to desire for that. We need to posture ourselves, our hearts, our lives for that. But I feel these things in our lives. 
that are holding us back from it. Causing us to kind of hear it, but not really hear it. When I look at the disciples, they probably could have gone anywhere, but they got stuck in Jerusalem till they saw him coming. Because now they know. They know who he is. They know what he said. They know that he's, he's true. And in that place, they gave themselves. Like we hear of Pentecost and the day that they came together there. But the reality is, they actually came together the whole time. So in Acts 1, we see where they are speaking about Judas. And Judas had betrayed Jesus. He had this, he had this, this function, this position within the team of disciples. And he betrayed that team. And he betrayed that place. He sold it out. And so the guys are saying, we need to fill this, this, this spot here because there's work for us to do. And so while they are waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, they are being together and they are praying and they are going like, okay, God, we need you to help us. And so they're casting lots. And it's like, because there's no Holy Spirit. Crazy. It's like a lottery ticket. <laughs> but they're casting lots and going like, cool, God is going to provide the outcome here. We don't know what this Holy Spirit is going to be like. But man, we're going to be together and we're going to come together until we find him. And up until that, we're not going to sit still because there was something that was ripe in their hearts about Jesus, about his message, his purposes, his plans, his passions. And so this morning... I'm gonna, I want to end off with this. And I want to ask us if we can maybe just close our eyes. You don't have to worry about your wallet or your handbag. It's just, I want you to focus and just hear my words. morning I felt the Lord speak to me as I was just sitting with this. And I felt the Lord say to me that before there was sin, there was my promises, my purposes, and my passion. Even in the beginning. Before sin was in the world, I created the world. I had a, it was filled with promises. It was filled with my purposes. Is filled with my passion. Through that, He created the world, all the living, and all things living, and us. The day Adam sinned, God promises, God's promises, His purposes, and His passion didn't cease, it was still there. You're still there as he willed it and as he would want it to become. And then we see the story of the world play out. And because his 
promises and his purposes and his passion was still there, even in the place where Adam sinned and let go of God. God sent his son, Jesus, to make a way again for his promises, for his purposes, and for his passions. One of these days, he will return. And on that day, he will make good on his promises. He will accomplish all his purposes. And he will satisfy on that day all of his passions. Sin, fear, Darkness, doubt, pain, loneliness, rejection, depression, addiction, offense, sickness, and death. All of these things will be burned up on that day. And what would still be left, unchanging, unshakable will be his promises. It would be proven true on that day. It will be his purposes that is played out and showed everybody that what he said from the beginning is the way it is. And his passions on that day will be fully revealed and fully satisfied. See, his heart is after each and every one of us. And he's calling us into a place of just like the disciples in Jerusalem. Calling us, maybe not to a physical place, but a place in our hearts where we wait for him to pour out his spirit in us. And as his spirit is being poured out, he calls us to accomplish his purposes with him. Because there's a dying world out there that is filled with his passion. So today, as we're sitting here, I want to ask us, I want to call us, And I'll say today, don't hold on to the things that are temporary. But let go of those things today. Let go of the sin. Let go of the fear. Let go of the darkness. Let go of the doubt. Let go of the pain. Let go of the loneliness. Let go of the rejection. Let go of depression. Let go of the addiction. Let go of the sickness. Let go of death. Let go of offense. Let go of these things that hold you back. And hold on to His promises. Hold on to His purposes. And hold on to His passions. Because that is the thing that will last. That's the thing that will stand on that day. But whatever has been given to the fear, loneliness, and all those things, all of that's been given to that 
all that has been relinquished to that will be burned up. Would be nothing. And so today, give yourself to Him. Maybe Aaron, if you can maybe come and play for us. Yes, please. Yes, just stay by yourself. See, there's no amount of polishing, there's no amount of um, excellence that we can, can conjure up that can produce anything that will stand on that day. But I do believe, and this morning Kevin said it so beautifully, that as we posture ourselves to receive the Spirit of God, we become filled with Him. And as we become filled with Him, He calls us into the place of where we walk with Him, where we accomplish with Him his purposes, where we see his promises being fulfilled, where we experience both his passions that he has for us as individuals, but we feel his breaking heart that he has for those who are lost. And so today, as we celebrate Pentecost, and the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out, and we remember it, and we think about it, we have the luxury of looking back and seeing everything that is played out. That should be something that builds even a greater faith in us than what it did in the disciples on that day experiencing it. be going into fast and you can just keep your eyes closed just listen just don't fall asleep we're going to be going into a fast this week and I want to say to us we can't manipulate God's arm by going like, okay, God, I'm going to go into fast. I'm going to give up all my food and all my things. And, and that means that you need to move. No. Now we're going to go into a fast. Because we want to say like, God, my body, and my being, I realize that it is influenced by so many things in and around me. God, I want to take my body, my mind, the things that give me sustenance and sustains me in this life. I want to take this, God. I want to place it at your feet. And I want to say, I want your spirit and your spirit alone to be the thing that guides and sustains me. 
And for that, God, I need to lay my flesh down. I need to bring it under submission to your spirit so that you can come and make me holy that I can walk with you. And I want to call us into this time. And I know that there's many of us that have different things of medical reasons. And, but I want, to, I want to really bring us to a place and saying, like, let's trust God to show us just like he showed the disciples, let's trust God to show us that his word is true. As we give ourselves to him, that he comes and he leads us. That he comes and he sustains us. Because it's one thing hearing it from somebody. It's a completely different thing knowing it for yourself. I believe that God is coming. He's calling us into that place where he's calling us deeper, closer. There's an invitation to exchange the things that are in our hearts, keeping us back. He's calling us to exchange that for Him and for who He is, for His purposes, His plans, His passions. He's calling us to say, give, give those things to me. They're not going to last. No matter how bad that you feel that sin is, it's not going to last. It's going to be burned up. No matter how deep you feel that hole of depression is it's going to be burned up hold on to me solid ground everything else sinking sand if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus you've not given your life to him I want to extend this invitation to you. The loneliness, the brokenness, the feeling like nobody cares. Do I really matter? Can I get out of this? Maybe you feel like you've done something so wrong. I want to say Jesus comes and He takes away the sin. He restores and makes new and brings you into a new life. Allows you to overcome and fight that sin, that depression, that thing that holds wanting to hold you back and hold you down. And he, just like we heard today, sends his Holy Spirit so that in that you can have power. Power to overcome and walk over and not have these things part of your life anymore. So if that is you here this morning. You want to give your life to Him. I want to ask if you can maybe just, just stand up with me. Say, Rian, I, I need it. I need Him.